TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic here on the TalkZone.com. Thank you for joining us. Hope everybody had a tremendous weekend, Super Bowl and or otherwise. It is the coach and JB with you up until 11 o'clock. Internet sports talk at its finest. Two guys and a mic, JB. Great to have you, my friend. And uh, you look like you're about two and a half pounds heavier. I'm assuming you uh, ate well during the Super Bowl. I did. And now I'm feeling the after effects. That's what it usually means. You go to the Super Bowl party... You eat your wings or your pizza or your some some fattening food of your choice, mm-hmm. and then the next day you realize why you don't eat those things at every meal. Yep. Or if you're just a fat guy, you feel how you do every single day. I was purposely good in anticipation of the Super Bowl pig out. I mean, I ate basically grains and oats the entire weekend. Right. Nothing but salad. I went out in the backyard and grazed a little bit and <laughs> chewed on some bark. I mean, that was really good. But then uh, 445 hit last night. Oof. Cholesterol level took a serious rise. Well, yesterday I had offered to go pick up the wings for the Super Bowl party that I was going to, mm-hmm. and so I went to the 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 place I went has three different locations, and I went to one of the carryout locations, figuring that there would be less people at it because it was a lesser known location. Makes sense. You didn't go to Wings and Things, did you? I did not. All no, right. because I went to Wings and Things once and I ordered the things. Yeah, things weren't so good. No, no, no. You stick with the wings at Wings and Things. Yes. Where did you go for your wings? I went to Buffalo Joe's to get the wings. Okay. And I... Hey, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Joe. I've never seen so many people in my life inside this tiny little establishment. It's a carry-out restaurant. It's not built to have a lot of people standing inside of it. There's probably enough room for maybe 30 people to stand in their tops. Mm -hmm. There had to been 55 to 60 people in this little room just cluttered together all huddled there waiting for their orders a good day for the owner of small time buffalo joe yeah well i mean they have three locations so i wouldn't call it that small time but i mean it's buffalo joe before it is uh i mean it's probably the best wings i would say you could get around here they're 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 really outstanding but the problem is is that boneless kind uh no they're bone in or they might have boneless but Mm -hmm. i've never had the bone the boneless but they you know it's just I've never seen so many people packed in there, and it was like you know, it was like they were giving away golden tickets, like in Willy Wonka. It was just like it, when your order got called, people were jumping up and down because they were finally able to get out of there. And the funny thing for me is that you know, I'm a big football fan. You know that, coach, and and I and I definitely enjoy the Super Bowl, but I didn't care honestly if I missed the kickoff. I mean, some people in there were really, really worried. 
oh my god, I'm going to miss the kickoff. And then some guy standing behind him goes, eh, don't worry about it. It's uh, Carrie Underwood for the National Anthem. That's at least a good five minutes. I mean, it was just people were rationalizing yeah, when I'd, they were going to get I'd there. I'd kind of be halfway with the people at Buffalo Joe's. I don't mind if I miss uh, Queen Latifah and Carrie Underwood and the uh, the coin flip, which has become one of the most bogus things of all <laughs> yeah. time. We got a special commemorative coin here. You know, Ricky Jackson, who uh, never should have been elected to the Hall of Fame, is going to be our guest guy. Here the heads is here. I, you know, can that crap, please. I agree. So I don't mind missing that stuff. But I got to tell you, I would agree with some of the uh, saucy customers of Buffalo Joe's. I want to be there for the kickoff. Yeah, I mean, listen, I ended up getting there for the kickoff, yeah. which was good. Yeah. And so I, you know, I didn't get, I didn't need to complain because when I walked in, Carrie Underwood was in the middle of her national anthem rendition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was honestly, I've never seen anything like what it was in there. It was just so crowded. But you know what? The Super Bowl meal. Definitely an enjoyable experience for me, Coach. Unless the Bears are playing in it, the Super Bowl to me is just a fun is a fun time with your friends, where you get to hang out and there's a football game on. You know, I'm not one of those people that gets totally necessarily amped up for the particular game. I'm just in it for the experience, and because I follow sports and I cover sports, I obviously know what's going on with the game. And and yesterday's game I thought was good. It wasn't as good as the last two years because those were totally outrageously great Super Bowls with the the Giants knocking off the Patriots and then last year with the Steelers with the comeback and the the touchdown pass to Santonio Holmes at the end of the game to beat the Cardinals. I thought it would be really hard to top those two Super Bowls, and this one didn't. But I thought it was a pretty fun Super Bowl. It was a good Super Bowl. It was good indeed. I would agree with you. It didn't quite reach on the uh, little barometer scale. It never went beep, beep, beep. It never hit that high tone. Right. You know, some good tones, but it never really hit that high crescendo. One could argue, same thing with the advertisements and commercials. We'll talk about that, too. Final score, of course, New Orleans wins their very first Super Bowl ever, 31-17. Your comments, anything from kickoff to the commercials, from Carrie Underwood to under Carrie, or anything in between, 888 <laughs> The phone number, you can email us here at mike 2 guys at aol.com again. Uh, phone lines open 888-463-6748. 14-point win for the Saints. That's the bottom line. New Orleans celebrating as we speak. Yeah, New Orleans really, they played, they played the better game. I mean, they came out playing like they really wanted to win the Super Bowl. The Colts, to me, came out and were far too conservative. Uh, I thought that Jim Caldwell was totally outcoached for the most part by Sean Payton because Sean Payton was going for it. He, I mean, listen, the fourth down call when he had Mike Bell run to the right in uh, in the goal line stand, I thought was a poor decision in terms of a play call. I actually but I liked... thought it was a good call. And okay. I know the, everybody, you know, from every sports talk guy to the two yahoos sitting on the couch next to me, bad call. I thought it was a good call only because the play before they ran the same play. And who was it, Thomas or Bush? That well, they, they gave they gave Mike Bell the ball on the fourth down play. No, the time, the play the third, before. The th- I think somebody said, was it Reggie Bush? I think it was Thomas on the third right. down play. And, and I, they I could ran be wrong. the play. He was going to be in the end zone, and he slipped. Okay, and he slipped. but so all right, so you come back on fourth down after a timeout. You think of all the possibilities. The defense is planning for the planning for that. You don't overthink yourself. You go back to a play that was right there for a touchdown. I mean, the replay showed his foot just slipped. Otherwise, he would have waltzed into the end zone. I thought it was a good call. Everybody else didn't think so. And whoever what was it, number 58, who came shooting through? Uh, Gary Brackett. Oh, it might have been. That well, was the defensive play of the game. Awesome play. I, th- I know it didn't work, and the popular comment is, uh, bad call, bad call. They should have. Pa- I thought it was a good call. 
to run the exact same fight didn't work. Though. Well, see, here's where I disagree. I don't mind them going for it necessarily on fourth down. A lot of the people are upset because they went for it. I understand the uh, the theory of taking the points, but I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to say. Well, I mean, what you would label as a sports talk comment, which I, I always love when you label things sports talk because we're sports talk show hosts too. But I mean, I resemble that remark. Yeah, but uh, here's here's the here's where I disagree with the call. I thought that the play call itself was a bad call. That's right. where I disagree with you. I thought that they should have tried to play action pass or something to confuse Indianapolis. I'm not saying that you're wrong. That Listen, they, they should have been in the end zone on third down. You're right. But I still wouldn't have gone back to that play on fourth down. I thought that the Saints, what they're so good at is spreading the field with different players and opening things up. That's why the Saints were the Super Bowl champions. And that's because exactly what Indianapolis had scouted and predicted. That's why you go back to that same running play that was right there for you. Yeah, see, I, you know, I just don't, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't buy that. But my, but my, but my overarching point is that I thought Sean Payton, other than that play, yep. completely outcoached Jim Caldwell. Now, if, uh, there are some of you that are going to say, well, the onside kick just happened to work out, but that was a stupid call. To me, that's true. But at the same time, I will say this. I thought Sean Payton coached last night as though he was saying, listen, I'm going up against Peyton Manning, who may be the greatest quarterback who's ever played the game. That's for another debate. But the point is, he's in that discussion. So if I'm going to beat Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, I have to pull out all the stops to win. And the fact of the matter is, he did pull out all the stops, and they did win. I mean, Peyton Manning threw the pick at the at the end of the game to Tracy Porter, which ultimately iced this thing. But the bottom line is, the Saints played this game like they had nothing to lose and that they were going to do whatever it took to win the game. And the Colts, to me, were sitting back in sort of a, you know, and I, and I think this is Jim Caldwell, not Peyton Manning, because we know that Peyton Manning wants to be throwing the ball and wants to be moving the ball down the field. I thought Jim Caldwell played this game very arrogantly and co- coached this game very conservatively in saying, you know what, we're going to do what we normally do, and we're just better than them, or we're going to beat them. And the Saints came out and punished them for doing that. Well, I don't, I'm, good points, and I don't know how much Jim Caldwell has a say in their offensive game plan. So maybe think, Tom Moore is the, game to, is well, the guy to talk it about. It could be, but I think Jim Caldwell dictates the personality of what they want to do. You know what I mean? I think I think that with any coaching staff, the head coach dictates the personality. Just as he was the defensive coordinator for Tony Dungy, he right? was. But Lovey Smith, it was a defensive coordinator who became a head coach, and the personality of the Bears' offense, I think, is largely on Lovey Smith. Even mm-hmm. though Lovey Smith isn't running the Bears' offense, I think those of us who've watched the pitiful Bears over the last three years, well. regardless of who the coordinator has been, and through the entire Lovey Smith era, he's always picked a coordinator that will do what he wants. I think that in the, in the case of Tom Mora, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom or Tom Moore, Tom Moore and, and Peyton Manning, I think, you know, obviously Manning does a lot of the offensive play calling on the field, but I think that Caldwell in this Super Bowl I would like to know how much of the reins he pulled off of them because it just doesn't seem possible to me that Peyton Manning would have elected to be less aggressive. I just think that has to have come from Caldwell. Well, New Orleans played a, and by the way, good strategy during the week by Greg Williams talking about we're coming after him, we're Which coming they after didn't. him, we're going to hit Peyton Manning. Yeah. All little psychological ploy. They did quite the opposite. They played pretty much a prevent defense. And, you know, the other theory of it is Indianapolis Colts took 
what the defense was giving, and they were actually marching the ball fairly effectively. Joseph Adai, you could say they don't have a running game. I'd be very happy to have Joseph Adai running the football for my Chicago Bears. I would not. He was chewing up big yards, and Indianapolis was completing a strong percentage of passes, albeit to the tight end Dallas Clark at a lot of the bubble screens, so they weren't going downfield, but they were moving. They were. they were moving, but I understand what you say, because we were used to seeing Peyton Manning fling the ball downfield. We did not see that yesterday, how much of it was coach's decision, how much of it dictated by what the defense gave you. Tough call. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, I, I I completely disagree with you about a die. I think he's an, only an oh. average. I think he would have been what Matt Forte was this year, oh, but that's man. that's that's another point. But I think that, I, I think that the Saints, too, yesterday... What they did in yesterday's game was emblematic of really their whole season. They were a team that had a great offense. They showed they had great offense yesterday. But they also were a team that won games by getting a big turnover when they needed it, getting a big takeaway. If I'm not mistaken, I believe they led the NFL in takeaways, or were at least in the top three or four teams in the NFL in takeaways this year. And what do you know when they needed a big play? When it and when I, I mean I had said. To my buddies watching the game yesterday, that right as it was happening, you know, this is a defining moment in Peyton Manning's career. He's about to take them on this drive that could tie the tie the Super Bowl, and then we'll see what happens if this thing goes to overtime. I mean, everybody I think thought the same thing when when the Colts got that ball and they were driving down the field with five minutes left. That this is going to be one of those defining moments in the in the career of of one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever lived. And then he throws that pick. To Tracy Porter, and I know that there are going to be a lot of people today on a lot of different shows and a lot of different media that are going to say that Peyton Manning choked by throwing that pick, but I don't look at it that way, Coach, because when I saw him throw that interception, the first thing I thought was, honestly, not, wow, Peyton Manning just choked, it was, where is, why is Reggie Wayne not finishing that route? I mean, one of the things that I think people haven't said much of yet is that the the Colts receivers did not play well. And and other than Reggie Wayne, you know, it was a young receiving core that played really well this year with Garcon and Collie and all these guys. But for the most of this year, those guys played way above their capability. And last night, I thought the Colts receivers did not help Peyton at all. There were a lot of drops. There were a lot of blown routes. And as great a quarterback as Peyton Manning is... You know, you still need your receivers to execute the plays, and I did not think that they did that for most of the game. Biggest play of the game happened in the first half, and it has to do with something you just said. I thought it happened in the first half. Okay. Biggest play of the game, and I kind of picked it out at the time. I said, this could come back, and sure enough, I think it was the real game turner. Even before the onside kick in New Orleans started to control the second half. See if anybody's got it. I think biggest play. Of the first half, and it's something you just alluded to. 888-463-6748, talkzone.com. Two guys at a mic. We're going to take a quick break. Can we sneak in a phone call before the break? David Olson has a thumb up. I'm assuming that's a thumb. Yeah, either that or he's telling us that we're number one. It could be a slight combination of the two. Let's go out to the full lines real quick. JB and the coach, two guys at a mic. Caller Jim checking in. Jim, how are you? I'm doing great today, coach. I thought the game was great, buddy. I would rate it as good. Most people are kind of saying the same thing, but you thought it was a great Super Bowl. Well, the first half was anticlimactic. I mean, uh-huh. it was cool going for it on the fourth down, but the way it started off, it looked like, you know, the Colts, here they go again, Peyton Manning just running them right down the field, just marching them down, yep. gaining yards, and the Saints 
didn't seem to really kick it into gear until uh, uh, the third quarter. What and, happened and, in the first half, Jim? Alluding to my just previous comments, saying the biggest play happened in the first. What happened that kind of took a little bit of the air out of the Indianapolis balloon offensively? Because you're right, they were on a roll. Do you remember the play I'm talking about? The drop pass. That was it. Down. That was it? Yep. Yeah. I thought yeah, the I, drop I, by Pierre Garçon over the middle, he would have picked up another 10, 15 yards. Indy sure. was on a roll at that time. And yeah. they go in and score their game over that drop by Garçon. They didn't get the ball back for, what, about the next 10 minutes? Yeah. It was a long time. Big play. Well, there Big was a, play right there. There was a point in the game where the Saints had run 26 of the last 32 offensive yeah. plays. And the other big play, and, and caller Jim, you tell me if you agree, I thought was when the Colts – did not convert on third and two when they took the ball over. Yep. When they got the goal line stand on the Saints, they ran the ball three times, which to me was Lovey Smith special right there. And when they could have just thrown one pass, would have definitely gotten them a first down. They could have marched the ball down the field, at least run out the clock. But when they didn't get the, they didn't get the third and two. Then they had to punt the ball off, and then all of a sudden New Orleans negates the fact that they didn't score, and they still take the points and go into the half at 10-6. to 6. To me, Coach, I think you're right, but I also think, Jim, and you tell me whether you think I'm, I'm even close here, I thought that play was maybe also the biggest play of the game. There seemed to be uh, a few instances like that. There were, there were a number of factors why the Colts lost this game. Some drop passes. Um, yeah, maybe they were running the ball a little bit too much at times. You know, maybe conservative, like Coach is saying, playing a little conservative. Um, that was a big play. There was no doubt about it. And the coach for the Saints, he was playing good clock management there because if he calls timeout right away, um, maybe they do make a pass play. When he didn't, now the Colts, you know, they're hopefully going to run the clock out, but they played that conservative route and just didn't get enough yardage. That was a real good stop. Big score before the half uh, to keep them close. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just, to me, every time the Colts needed sort of a big a big momentum swing, they didn't really get it. And I know that the Colts scored that touchdown after New Orleans got the onside kick and marched down the field and scored a touchdown, and the Colts answered with a touchdown. But even at that point, you didn't feel like the Colts were assuming control of the game. It was sort of like, well... You scored, so we need to stay in this thing. Yeah, it was sort of like the Colts were on the defensive for most of this game. Like every time the Saints threw a punch, the Colts, I thought, would would try to keep themselves in it. But you never really felt in the second half that the Colts ever had control of the game, even when the Saints were losing. I kind of agree with that, but I also thought when the Colts rebounded from the onside kick and the touchdown and drove down the field for their own four. Or that was another play. That was that was another that wasn't time. that drive. Right, but when they drove for the touchdown, I also thought in my head, you know what? That's a championship team. You take a hit like the onside kick, you watch New Orleans score, and you come back with a methodical drive down for a touchdown. That's a championship ball. But I do know what you're saying. It was like Indy was the the champion, and they were trying to defend, not win their title, but defend it. Right. And that's I agree. I think that's a perfect way to yeah. put it, Coach. I think that that what what you saw in this game was a Saints team that came out 
with the real underdog mentality. They came out. I mean, nobody picked the Col- or nobody picked the Saints. I didn't pick the Saints to win this game. Most people did not. And I think that what it came down to was the Saints were the team that came out fearless with nothing to lose, and the Colts came out as the team trying not to lose the Super Bowl. Jimmy, what was your uh, favorite commercial and also of the food that you downed? Was there one favorite item at your food fest at the Super Bowl that you could relay to our fine Talk Zone listeners? I would say that for food, it would have had to have been the sausage and peppers being washed down with beer. Oof. Nice. Sausage and pepper. Nicely done. Nice. It's a new twist. Okay, what was your... Please don't tell me your favorite commercial was one of the underwear commercials. Uh, no. Okay. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I was kind of cooking and watching the first half, um, just catching it. You know, I got two TVs going. One's on a digital antenna, one's on a satellite. So the game was kind of coming and going. But... Uh, Oh God! I, I caught that uh, that Super Bowl one. Uh, I thought was oh, the Super Bowl shuffle. Brutal. Yeah, brutal. McMahon coming out in a wheelchair. I thought that was kind of cool, just because of the Chicago uh, yeah. Chicago accent on it. It was nice to see again. Yeah, uh, a little humor in the McMahon in the wheelchair thing, but yeah, overall, I was overall I was coach. I thought it was bad. I thought the commercials they had a bad they had a bad Super Bowl for commercials. Hey Jimmy, we appreciate the call. Be good out there, okay? Okay, uh, thanks, Jim. Thanks, there guys. it is, James checking in. You can too. Yes, we had to a break, Jordan. We kind of talked about it before the show. Always good cannon fodder for the next day. Yeah. He's talking about the commercials, so much money, time, creative uh, thought process spent into them. My overall coming. Way, way too many commercials with guys in underwear. I mean, and gross guys. In I mean, has, first of all, people never heard of boxer shorts. Nope. Second of all, why am I seeing all these hairy guys and jockeys? Yeah. I mean, it was disgusting. One like, get commercial would have been screen. okay, but there was like three. I know, and it was also, did you notice yesterday how like every commercial break was themed? It's like they put all the underpants commercials in one break, yeah. and they put like all the Doritos commercials. I was like, can we get some change here? Like, do I need to see like five underpants commercials in a row? My God. <laughs> Uh, all right. I would say the women finally had their day because usually it's the other way around. But I don't even. I don't think the, the women, women had no. their day. They saw disgusting uh, yeah, men. Yeah, I don't think we enjoyed that either. All right, we'll take a quick break. David Olson, our fine producer here. Uh, we'll talk about our beat the Smoles football picks. Also, I will make a somewhat controversial comment about the New Orleans Saints. I think it's true, but it might not be popular at the time. JB and the coach. We'll take a quick break. Back in a minute. Talkzone.com.
lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. Yeah, we're back on the TalkZone.com. I'm not sure, but I think our producer, David Olson, was a little bit late today because he was trying to get that free Grand Slam breakfast at Denny's. By the way, is I Denny's performance tomorrow? By the way, is Denny's that is are they doing that poorly that they now just have to give away food? Well, they did it before, and I guess the promotion must have worked. You I get, heard you get a free. I, I think they did it last year. It was last year, or the year before yeah. they did it, and it was like overwhelmingly successful. It well, here, here's the key: you get a free Grand Slam breakfast, but then the cup of coffee comes. They charge you like eight dollars for the coffee. Right. There you go. Like or the orange juice, right? I've heard that they that <laughs> if you. I've actually heard that that's true. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I've heard that like if you order an orange juice with the free yeah. Grand Slam breakfast, it's like eight dollars. Well, I think the theory is, and again, it was successful last year. That's why they're doing it again. I'm assuming the Denny's people know what they're doing. Uh, Maybe a correct, incorrect assumption, yeah. but uh, the theory is you get people into, you get people to rediscover the Denny's that you might have forgotten. Yeah, but the other thing is, is they also had a commercial that said that if it's your birthday, that you get a free breakfast yep. all across America. Mm-hmm. I mean, are they going to check your driver's license? Sure. I mean, they they, they should. Otherwise, I'm, it's my birthday every day next week. Well, I don't think anybody can just come in and say it's the birthday. Now, if it's a kid with a parent, they're not going to question, but some... Uh, Slug of an adult like yourself walks into a Denny's at one in the morning, saying it's your birthday. I think uh, cocktails. I think they'll check. Yeah. Well, I mean, all I'm saying is that all I can think was either this is this is genius or this is Denny's is doing so poorly that they are giving away food at this point, or somewhere in the vast in between of those two. Yes. Well, I just think that's like I'm nothing against Denny's. It just you know it's sort of like the free breakfast. I don't know that it would necessarily make me go there because you know I don't know. It's okay. It's, whatever. If you want to get your cholesterol level up a little bit, mine yeah. just went up a, a few notches yesterday, so I don't think I'll be going to Denny's anytime soon. But, you know, for a little, uh, if, you, if you have your need for grease, not a bad place to stop at at 5, 6 in the morning. It's, it's sort of, to me, it's sort of like a hangover breakfast. Yeah. You know, when you're hungover, you really want a uh, greasy breakfast to make yourself feel better. That's mm-hmm. when I'd go to the Denny's. Doritos spent a lot of money uh, yesterday. So did the Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch Company. A lot. A lot of Budweiser and Bud Light commercials. I think my favorite overall commercial was, uh, from an inspirational standpoint, a little bit, I got, despite the humor. It inspired me a bit, and that was when the Budweiser truck couldn't cross the Oh, when they the bridge, made the, the, human, bridge was the human bridge. So all the people from the town came over and formed the human bridge. I kind of like that. Uh, part humor and part inspiration. Now, that is a you commercial. I'm not sure, but I think during that commercial, Dave, it moved. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> all I can say is... When I saw that commercial, I actually thought, I was like, you know who would like this commercial? Coach would yeah, like exactly. this commercial. I, you know, I go for the corn a little bit. You, you, you do. There, there was a big cob uh, of corn that you I, were enjoying there. I but, still long for the day when Up for People was the musical and uh, company. Oh, God. But uh, I, I will say this, that I thought that the <laughs> that the commercials last night were generally poor. I mean, I was watching the game well, with some people that found them humorous, but most of them I found bizarre, and I didn't find that funny. Like the Doritos one where the... Dog put the taser on the on the owner and the yeah. owner. I mean, like I was yeah. just like, that's like, that's painful. Yeah. I, I don't find I, that I, funny. I, I found that awkward as well. Yeah, I just, I you know, I, the Budweiser. Like, okay, I'm I'm done with the Clydesdales. Enough. Like, I realize it's I tradition. Agree. And also, done anybody, with the any marketing companies out there thinking of selling your product via talking babies? Enough already. Done with the E Trade. As soon babies. as I saw the talking baby, I didn't even know what company was for. It was E Trade. But I mean, it was cute. 
Five years ago, it's been there, done that, come up with another creative idea. Thank you very much. Right, I mean, one of my buddies at the party was, like, trying to make everybody stop talking during the Talking Babies commercials. I was yeah. like, which one no. of the 70 did you not? And there are so <laughs> many of these commercials. <laughs> like, enough, I'm done. No more Talking Babies. No more Clydesdales. I thought that, and you and I mentioned this a little bit before the show, the Tim Tebow ad, which was supposed to just be this, you know, catastrophic political viewpoint, I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that commercial. Much you, it, ado about, about nothing. nothing. I mean, it was, it was, it barely even sent mm-hmm. any message. It was just like, hi, I'm Tim Tebow's mom, and hi, I'm Tim Tebow. That was but it. Look at all the free pub. I forget what the the uh, conservative coalition that put that out is. Well, uh, I forget the name. Yeah, but so look, at, look at all. Families first or something like that? Yes. It could have been. It's got families in there. I don't think it's families first, but boy, did they get a lot family of free second? publicity. Huh? Yeah. Family second? I think uh, I am third. Is the, you know, okay. My religion's first, my team is second, my family's a distant third. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, it just well, cause when that when that commercial aired, everybody at the party I was at was just like, that was it? You know, that was yeah. it? That was yeah. it? It didn't, it didn't bother me at all. I, I You know, the Bud Light commercials... You know the one where the guy had the fr- the refrigerator made out of Bud Lights that and was, was drinking. That, that was okay. That, that was, was good. I, that, that may have honestly been the best commercial, uh-huh. which is saying is right, not saying it, much. It happened but, right in the beginning. Right. The whole house was made out of Bud. Yeah. Right? The whole house, everything yeah. was made out of Buds. I thought that was like somewhat. They pull out a beer and the girls in the shower. Right. Sh- yeah. Somewhat amusing. That was, that was all right. But I just thought for the most part, there just weren't a lot of good commercials. And, you know, CBS, like every network is going to do, was really pushing its shows on everybody. The whole NCIS and the Two and a Half Men and the How I Met Your Mothers. And honestly, I haven't seen any of these shows, but I can recite for you the entire CBS lineup after last <laughs> night's Super Bowl. Because I think I saw more of Neil Patrick Harris than I did of Jim Caldwell on the sideline. <laughs> but it was just, you know, I, overall commercials for me, definitely worse than previous years. What about the uh, Letterman promo? Oh, that was good. You know what? You're right. That was the best. That was the best commercial of the whole thing. When when they had Leno and, and Oprah and and mm-hmm. Dave, that was very funny. It was short. It was sweet. It was pointed. It was to the point. Right. And the thing yeah. about it is, Jay has been so vilified lately for his move that he's made that I thought it was smart of him to try to make make fun out of it. Because I think a lot of people are upset with him. I mean, I really think that, listen, I don't know how The Tonight Show is going to do when it returns with him, and maybe it'll go back to being what it was. I don't know. But I think a lot of people are upset with him, and I think that for him to be in that commercial was a smart move on his own, on his own part. Because I think most people have turned to the Conan side. You know, instead of the J side, because I think a lot of people feel bad for Conan and therefore are now supporting him over J. You might be skewed by your uh, particular age bracket and I your could peer be. group. That could be. My aged group, the kind that, uh, you know, trust me, hanging around the assisted living and the other health care centers, a feeling slightly different than you're uh, much more lively. I mean, do you, do you feel that uh, people don't think that Conan got a raw deal out of this? Uh, you know, it's Super Bowl Monday. I don't want to get lost yeah. in the discussion, but... Yeah. Uh, you're probably right. More people feel, first of all, most of the people don't care. I'm saying, well, I'm saying that the way it is spun, the way it's the been way spun. The way it is spun, but, you know, I would argue, and again, I want to get a long discussion here, Conan, I liken it to sports. When a guy goes to another team and starts back-talking against the team, he left, ah, they didn't want me. They didn't respect me over there. They only offered me $4 million. This group over here is offering me $6 They offered you $4 million. What yeah. do you mean they didn't respect you? The owner was willing to pay you $4 million. Conan O'Brien, they didn't want to get rid of Conan O'Brien. Move a half an hour back, big freaking deal. Oh, that's got an insult to the Tonight Show. Jay Leno's going to go a half an hour. That's it. 
So they didn't get rid of Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien got rid, got rid of Conan O'Brien. I know our producer, David Olson, who knows much more about the TV industry, would disagree with you, but that's my line. Uh, to me, it's, it's the, it's the, the time slot is, is the show. And so they, they moved him out of the time slot. He didn't want to be All in right. it. But anyway, uh, uh 31 Yeah. Uh, the Super Bowl to me last night too. You know, I thought that, and, and let me just say this, and you and I just started to mention a little bit during the break. This Super Bowl would have been a lot better if the Vikings had been in it. It would have been. I'm not saying that this isn't a great story for the Saints. Part of me as a Cubs fan is kind of annoyed that the Saints just won the Super Bowl because <laughs> it's like another franchise that just eternally stinks can win, and I don't get to win. And, the, and one of the things that I was thinking about that's last a, night was... an interesting angle to a, it. You know, everybody's talking about the Florida Lee and the, the party and the Mardi Gras, and, you know, I mean, that's a load of crap. Listen, I'm not saying that... And I'm not trying to sound insensitive. I think for the city of New Orleans, it's a great story. The people need this. I, I think that, you know, the whole Katrina angle, that's fine. You, you know, say what it is, and, and I have nothing against them. They, they deserve a Super Bowl. Even, but, before, but, even without Katrina. Right. The New and, Orleans Saints fans, the Aints for a long time. Right. The bags over their heads. Those fans deserved a Super Bowl. I agree. But, okay. but I mean, how would the party of last night, how is that any bigger than what would be if the Cubs ever won the World Series? Right? Nah. I mean, like, it's not. You can't tell me that. I mean, listen, the bigger party in New Orleans is next Tuesday. Okay. That's the big party, the Fat Tuesday party, okay? And 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 good for them. They get their Super Bowl. You know, Bourbon Street might be in complete shambles today. That's fine. But it's just to me, it was another team that eternally stinks that won, and my eternally stinky team still hasn't won. <laughs> and part of me was a little bitter about that. I have to say, twelve days. Bitter. Twelve days till pitchers and catchers report. Jordan, I've analyzed our middle relief. I like our middle relief. This could be. After hundred and some odd years, this could be the year for the Cubs. You like the you like John Grabo. You could be dancing in October. No barf. <laughs> uh, I, Hopefully not in your underwear like everybody else in the commercials yesterday. You know, it just to me too is just that you know it's a good story for them. But the the other thing that I that that a couple of people had mentioned to me last night, they they were saying, oh, you're going to be on a radio show tomorrow. You should talk about this. Yep. And I'll make this point for them. Don't you find it funny? That in the first half of yesterday's game, Dwight Freeney on one ankle was a better pass rusher than anyone the Bears have had in the last wow. probably five years. Well, to be fair. Not funny, haha, funny queer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Tommy Harris in 06 had a great year, but other yeah. than Tommy Harris, in the last five years, we've really not seen a performance like Dwight Freeney gave in the first half. You are Second correct. half he was done, you he was hurt. You are correct, to be fair. Okay. To be fair, you could say that same thing about a lot of teams because Dwight well, Feeney fair, was yeah. absolute. I became a Dwight Feeney. I've seen him play over you the know, years. It's because of Dwight Feeney's education because why he's so great. Syracuse Orange, right? I there. did not know that. Yeah. We were actually wondering what college he went to. But boy, you wanted to make a tape to young players, junior high, high school, college, even young players in the NFL on how to rush the passer. Technique-wise, he showed all the different techniques. And he was on one ankle. And even before, even beyond the technique, more importantly, just the relentlessness, the unbelievable drive and determination this guy has to get to the quarterback. That was that was my favorite part of the first half. Thank you for bringing yeah, that up. Yeah, he is a beast. And the thing about Dwight Freeney is that, you know, I, right now I have a sprained ankle. So I can completely relate to what he's going on. And he's and his ankle is probably far worse than mine, and he had to play in the Super Bowl, and I don't yeah. have to do anything. But my point is, is that... 
I know what that pain of the ankle is like, okay? For him to be able to move that way, and, and Jermon Bushrod, the, the offensive, by the way, best name in the Super Bowl last night, Jermon Bushrod <laughs> takes the name? cake. That's really his name. Wow. Bushrod was on, uh, ESPN, one of their shows, uh, warm pizza, cold pizza, mm-hmm. old pizza, whatever it is, first take. <laughs> old pizza. And, and, uh, he was on that show this morning, and, and they were interviewing him about that. And, and, you know, Dana Jacobson was trying to be diplomatic and nice and asking him all these questions about it. And he just gave the same cliche answer the entire time. What I wanted to say was, how did it feel to get lit up by a guy on wow. one ankle last night in the first half? Just I driving mean, him. He'd get underneath the pads oh. and just, and this guy, Bushra's like 295, 300 pounds. He was getting twice. lit he, up. Mm, lit good. I had one up. guy at our, uh, Super Bowl party, Glenview George, who was uh, rooting for the New Orleans Saints, had the whole beads, the whole Mardi Gras theme going on, and had cocktailed a little bit at this point. And throughout late in the first half, he's going, oh, that guy was faking. There's no ankle injury. He was faking it the whole week. He was faking it the whole week. I don't know. Yeah, I don't no, know, Glenview I, I, George, but I do know this. I don't Dwight think Dwight Freeney, so. awfully good. I, th- I just think that, you know, when it comes to injuries in a, in a, in a game like the Super Bowl, that – no matter what the severity of the injury is, these guys are so motivated by wanting to play in the Super Bowl that they're almost willing to play through anything. I mean, mm-hmm. you really would have to, like, decapitate them or pull one of their legs off. And I still think that if Dwight Franey had a stump and one full leg, he still would have played. I mean, that's that's the type of motivation these guys have. It's like when Terrell, or Terrell Owens... When he played in the Super Bowl, what was it, five years ago when he had the, you know, he had the ankle injury? I think he had broken the ankle, right? And he was out because the Eagles started 12 or 13 and 1 with Terrell Owens and then he didn't play through most of the playoffs, but he came back for the Super Bowl and he played an amazing game in the Super Bowl. And then I remember a lot of people had said, well, was he really that injured? Was he? I, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think that Terrell Owens is the type of player, say what you want about him off the field, but he's one of the most motivated players on the field to succeed in the entire National Football League. And when he played in that Super Bowl and played so brilliantly, to me it was, look at the will of this man, that he is injured as much as he is, but is still out there playing as well as he is. It's 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 the mind over matter thing. And I think that's what we saw last night in Freeney. It was really a courageous effort. And I know that in the second half he really didn't do anything, but there was only one sack in the Super Bowl last night and that was his that he got. But I mean it's just it to me it speaks volumes of the fact that the the this game is so big and the magnitude is so big that you, I mean, like I said, you really have to be basically decapitated not to play in this thing. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight, folks. We won't decapitate you. You can just call up, a little user friendly internet sports talk radio here for you. Our phone lines are open. You want to talk about the Super Bowl? Your thoughts, your comments. Another football season comes to a close. Uh, again, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Also, maybe your favorite food dish last night. What was your favorite commercial? Your least favorite commercial? Any of those thoughts on the Super Bowl? You can email us too at mike two guys at aol dot com. Now I alluded to we're going to get by the way to the fact that there might not be football next year. Right. I also want to get to the prop bets because there was a one really good prop bet we have to talk about. Okay, at some we'll point. get to that. By the way, beat the schmoes of football predictions. David Olson, it's been a rough year for me here on the Talk Zone. I came from another radio show where I was doing very good. I joined the Talk Zone, two guys and a mic, and my beat the schmoes football predictions, seven and 20 on the year. But I bounced back on the Super Bowl. First of all, the big dog picked Indy 30, New Orleans 24. A okay. rough year for the big dog, both financially and on beat the schmoes. Yeah, I would say, but you know what though, thirty to twenty four wasn't a bad prediction. Not too I mean, bad. I mean, I think that that is what a lot of people would have predicted. The beautiful, the lovely, the curvaceous paradise, yes. who was eleven, I'm sorry, ten and eleven coming in. 
One game under 500. Big game for her final game of the year. She blew the call. She picked Indy by 10. So Paradise has to live with herself the entire offseason. And it's going to be a rough offseason for Paradise. Actually, Paradise might be living with our engineer, Randy Myers, who has <laughs> taken a liking to Paradise. So she might not be living by herself. Well, I guess it's good for him then. Yeah. He's got the lovely Paradise to, yeah. to be with. Take a spin. Go for it. Hey, well, you know, I'll see you come back in November when the football starts again. Uh, I did pick 42-38. I had the score wrong, but I did pick New Orleans on a late revelation. Remember, Dave? All week I was going Indy. And then on the uh, eight-second elevator ride up to the second floor, a revelation hit me. I had, as Joel would say, an epiphany. And it, it hit me as I walked out of the elevator. I heard music. I looked to the skies. And you and saw I cha- the fleur de No, actually, I saw the uh, Federal Express guy. And he you know, really <laughs> ugly brown shorts. It killed the whole epiphany thing. But I still stuck with the New Orleans pick. And uh, sure enough, they pulled the upset. Yeah, well, what was the prop bet you were talking about? Uh, the prop bet that I that that one of my, well, I never seen it, but a buddy of mine was telling me about it last night. There was apparently a prop bet you could make on number of times that Phil Sims is confused by a rule during the game, and the over under was set at three and a half. And I don't think he got confused by any rules last night, but. There is nobody better than Phil Sims at making an obvious statement in a very authoritative voice. You know, whoever win, whoever scores more points in this game is going to win this thing, Jim. Yeah, you know, you're jumping on the bandwagon of other sports talk hosts, and maybe I'm not saying he's, he's the greatest. He's brutal. I'm coach. not saying he's the best. I I don't find him as bad as other people. I thought he's. I think he's a decent listen. I mean, what did he say last night that was interesting? I'm just, I just want, like, I'm, I'm not, not a saying, fan of philosophy. No, I mean, I, I listen, I'm not saying that you're wrong. <laughs> I just want an example of something he said last night that was, that was interesting because to me last night, he basically just told you what you were looking at. And that, that's all he did. Mm-hmm. I, or he just said something that was completely obvious. You know, there's a minute left in this half, Coach. Uh, I think that they need to score a touchdown here. There were here. actually a couple Boring. of... There were actually a couple of specifics, and, and I'm trying to remember them. But I remember at the time, even my... my, uh, my and the buddy sitting next to me, we commented, that's right. He is right about that. We were talking about it. I can't remember. But, again, I'm not saying he's the best. I know he takes a lot of shots. He, I... Don't think he's as bad as people he's, make him out to be. He's brutal. All right, we're going to take a quick, quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, entertain. Well, that's the wrong the wrong comment. We're going to uh, discuss the possibility that when we do this show a year from now, we will not be talking about Super Bowl or any NFL football. <gasps> a possible strike. And I want to throw this out to you, too. 888-463-6748. And I have nothing against New Orleans. I like watching their team. I was rooting for nobody yesterday. But... Is this New Orleans Saints team in the 44 years of the Super Bowl, is this the weakest Super Bowl team ever? And you can poo-poo it and say no, and I'm already getting that look from David Olson. Name me a team that's weaker. When you think about it, I'm a great quarterback. I've got reasons to tell average you Average running right. backs, average receivers, average defense, special teams, nothing great. Is this the weakest Super Bowl team, the least talented Super Bowl team that we've ever had. I'm going to tear this argument apart after the break. All right. 888-463-6748. Tear away.
to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. All right, back at the TalkZone.com final segment. We'll be back at you again, of course, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We do it every weekday, 10 till 11 Central Time, five days a week, one hour a day. Five in total. We uh, mentioned everybody in our pre-publicity. JB on the show with us today. And we had a couple people email back, CBS is James Brown? And I had to inform them, uh, no, not quite. Uh, instead, it's Jordan Burnfield from Deerfield, Illinois. What, what a letdown that is. Not for me. Well, for that. I know you, but yeah, probably for the listeners. Uh, what can I tell you? Yeah, I mean, you could have had James Brown, you get me. I mean, that's, that's a lot to live up to right there. I, I've heard James Brown, and I've heard you, quite frankly. I'd rather listen to you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, now you have a couple of teams, and I threw it out there. You're probably right. There may be some contenders, but I would argue they are amongst, if not the, worst team to ever win a Super Bowl. And again, i got nothing against New Orleans, and they're a very good team. But all the Super Bowl champions were really, really good team. But you know, was there a weaker, talented team than New Orleans that ever won a Super Bowl? Well, first let me start with why New Orleans isn't so weak. Okay. Okay. I would. You argued before the break that they had an average running game, which yeah. I'll give you. They, they have an average running game. Pierre Thomas Receivers, though, I don't think they have an average receiving core. I think it's a very good receiving core. I think that they had a prolific offense this season. They have a prolific quarterback. Okay, they have a good defense. Okay, good defense. Not one of the top. Taking. No, but one of the top takeaway defenses in the league this year. Okay. Secondly, they beat five Super Bowl quarterbacks this year. Five quarterbacks who had won a Super Bowl, they beat. They beat Tom Brady, they beat Eli Manning, they beat Peyton Manning, they beat Brett Favre, they beat Kurt Warner. In the playoffs, by the way, back-to-back-to-back. Kurt Warner, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning. That is impressive. That's five Super Bowl quarterbacks they took out this year. That's a really impressive statistic, in my opinion. Okay. Okay, so that's why I think that the Saints... I mean, obviously, one of the more prolific offenses Mm -hmm. in, in the NFL... But don't forget, every Super Bowl team was great. They won the Super Bowl. Well, So now no, you, because can, you can say, no, coach, that's wrong. Name me a Super Bowl champion I will that, name had you one right now. that had less talent than our New Orleans Saints. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers the first time they won the Super Bowl, what was it, five years ago, when they were the sixth seed well, wasn't in the, the AFC? Well, no, 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 it was the first time in of the, the of the recent era. Yeah. I mean, they've obviously won six Super Bowls, but yeah. my but my point is the the first of their last for, two. For a second, I was thought he was going to tell me the Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, oh, no, 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 Jack Lambert team I, were okay. right. I didn't okay. see that, but I mean of the of the recent era Super Bowls. Yeah. they won when they won it when it was uh, the one in Detroit. I forget which Super Bowl that was, but the point is is that in that Super Bowl, or that would have been the 2005 Super Bowl, right? I I think the we need we need Joel to recall. I can't tell I think you. Who January was in last of two thousand six. But I, I think I know the Pittsburgh right. team you're talking. They were they about. were the sixth seed yeah, they, they in the s- AFC. Snuck up on people. They went. They had a historic run to the Super Bowl by winning all those games on the road to get to the Super Bowl. Yep. But that was with Ben Roethlisberger as a second year quarterback. Mm-hmm. That was with Jerome Bettis at the end of his career. That was just a team that was a gritty, hard-nosed Bill Cower football team mm-hmm. that happened to get to the Super Bowl and win because and they faced a team. Hot. They happened to get hot. They at happened the right to time. right. They got hot, and furthermore, they played a Seattle team that was a good <laughs> team. I mean, it was Matt Hasselbeck and Sean Alexander. I mean, but that wasn't a great. That wasn't a great football team that they beat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I mean, it just. It was not. 
a great football team. Now I, I remember that, she... that Super Bowl because that was the year I woke up the day before or had a bad dream, woke up in the middle of the night and looked over my wife, and she looked a little bit like uh, offensive lineman Cortez Kennedy. That, that's that's a little scary. That was a difficult Super Bowl for me. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to wake up next to Cortez Kennedy either. No, but, very scary. But but I will say that I think Don't that, knock it till you've tried it, by the way. Well, I, I will knock it because oh. I don't have any interest in trying it. There were some side benefits. We'll talk after the show. <laughs> Okay, but I will say that it was it was definitely that was a weaker Super Bowl matchup first of all, and I think that when Pittsburgh won that, I don't think I mean to be honest with you, I don't think you can make an argument that that, that the Saints team that won yesterday was worse than that Pittsburgh team. That Pittsburgh well, team was a classic case of a team getting hot and winning. Just like in 2006 in baseball, when the St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series, they weren't the best team. They were a team that got hot and won the World Series. They were an 82-win team. I mean, it just, you know. I will, I will you know, put that, that Pittsburgh team And the Saints were almost 14-0. and 0. You bring up a great point. Again, if uh, folks out there you want to look back in history, pick a team with less talent than this year's New Orleans team. I'm not saying the Saints were a great team. Every Super Bowl team that wins the championship, you're going to be an awfully good team, if not a great team. But I'm just saying New Orleans, amongst the 44, I can't remember too many that were less scary talent-wise. I mean, you look at the and their defense was productive, but no difference makers. You look at the team, even Drew Brees, as great as he is, doesn't scare you the way uh, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, or a Peyton Manning Well, does. but I, I think that, that the only reason why you say that is because Drew Brees hadn't been to this type of a game. I mean, Drew Brees... Went to the NFC Championship against the Bears a couple of years ago. They got hammered. I think it was 39 to 15, right? When the, when the Bears beat the, beat the Saints in the yep. NFC Championship, when the Bears beat the Saints in the NFC Championship. But, but I think that, you know, now Drew Brees probably deserves to be in that category of scary quarterback because the truth is, Drew Brees has been incredible over the last few years, but no one has really taken them seriously because the Saints didn't win anything yeah. and they By were the still way, the Saints. Coming out of college, he was, uh, too slow. Not big enough in his arm, not strong enough. Thank you very much. Yeah, and and then and then nobody wanted to sign him yeah. when he left the Chargers because they thought his yeah. arm wasn't wasn't yeah. healthy. Oh, I mean, and his uh, star running back Pierre Thomas, who played great yesterday, he was also uh, too not too small. He was not fast enough and not elusive enough to be uh, drafted. He was undrafted. So there's right. all your scouts that get paid, you know. Thousands, if not millions of hours to analyze these guys, follow them all season long. Drew Brees was not a high draft choice. I forget what round he was uh, picked. I don't remember. There were a lot of quarterbacks picked before. Yeah, I think the he gunslinger was, out of Purdue. Was he a second or a third round pick? At I want, highest. Yeah, I think, he, highest. I think he was a second or a and third Pierre round pick. And Pierre Thomas was undrafted. Right. Well, the Bears almost drafted him. Yeah, you well, heard that story, yeah. right? Well, Ron Turner was his college coach. Right. Ron, Ron Turner, Turner, he called up Pierre Thomas yeah. and said, Pierre, I want to wish you the best of luck, man. You know, wish you we could have had you on the Bears, but he didn't. Instead, he took Garrett Wolf in the third round. I happen to like Garrett Wolf, but Why? right now, if I had a choice, huh? Why? I like Garrett Wolf. Why? What does he do? He's small, small explosive. He stinks. Nobody can hide behind an offensive lineman like Garrett Wolf. Yeah, no one can hide behind talent like Garrett I Wolf. I like Garrett Wolf. Oh, but, that uh, guy is brutal. Right. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Real quick, before we uh, end up today's show now, and again, phone lines are open. If you're just joining us late, you want to chime in. Anything on the Super Bowl from the who to the commercials to the pregame, postgame, anything in between, 888-463-6748. We alluded to the fact that uh, next year yeah, there was a chance, JB, that there might not be football. Yeah, 2011, at least from everything that I've heard. Strike Force, 2011. Yeah, I guess that everything that I've been told, everything that I've read, everything I've heard from reports, the way that the people that know more about it than I do explain it, 
there seems to be no chance that there's going to be football in 2011. It just based on the reports and and the experts' opinions on pro this. football and pro football. I mean, the college game obviously they're, they're not, that's not going away. But the the NFL, from what everything I've been told in 2011, will not occur. And I, I guess one of the biggest reasons for this is that the owners have already inked a five billion dollar contract for 2011 for television, whether or not. The games get played. So even if there is no NFL season, the owners are still going to make $5 billion. Because of this, I guess the owners want the players to take an 18% pay cut from their salaries as a, as a, as a complete, you know, the entire player base, the players association. They want every player, you know, the, the salary structure to come down 18%. Because the TV contract. Well, no, I guess the owners want to get more money out of the next TV contract, and consequently they want the players to take less money so that more of the money can be distributed amongst the owners. I guess there was this whole confusing explanation, but the way I understood it is that more money is coming in to cover something that the owners didn't get paid in a previous deal, and so to compensate for this big contract that they're going to get, they want the players to take less money so that the, the owners can net more profit than they made well, in the last there's deal. Gotta be, there's got to be more to that. That can't be their bargaining line. Hey, come on to the bargaining table. Here's our basic deal. We'd like you to take an 18% pay cut so that we can make more money. Well, no, I mean, the, right, no, no, hey, no. you guys want to go out for lunch. Right, there's, no, so there's more to there's it. There's more to it. I mean, the, the, I guess that the players want more benefits with the... Yeah. You know, with the with their post career stuff that that the owners don't want to give them, and well, there, there's a bunch of different things. But we can get into the details of it. But the bottom line, uh, suffice it to say, for wrapping up the show, is that there's a chance, good chance, there won't be NFL football next year. Would you? Would you? Well, in 2011. So I was, which I mean, next season would be you know 2010 season, but it would be two seasons from now. Oh, so it's not next season. Well, this 2010 season will play. Ah. I mean, there, there will be a 2010 okay. season. It's okay. the 2011 season ah. that there may not be. That's so, why they signed Rod Marinelli to a one-year contract. Right. That's why they're all getting one-year contracts, because they <laughs> think there's going to be a lockout. And the, the uncapped year is this year, I think, yeah. because they all know that there's not going to be football in 2011 anyway, so they could pay whatever they want to everybody. I mean, would you could you survive a season with no National Football League? As long as you said national football, I would have a hard time surviving a, a well, you know, surviving. You look at some of the tragedies happening. But right, right. In a sporting sense, uh, if there was no football at all, as long as I got college football and I can go out on a Friday night and watch my high school football, I'm all good. I'm yeah. okay on Sunday. I would be completely fine with no NFL for a season. Completely fine. And I know that to some people this is like the most barbaric and horrific comment you could possibly make. What will I do without my NFL pigskin on Sunday? I mean, listen, I love the NFL. The one sport that you can't take from me is baseball. If you take, you could take my football, you can take my basketball, you can take my hockey. I'd be all, I'd be upset about all those sports being gone. I'm not saying I'd be happy if the NFL was gone, but I guess of all of them, I would be, of the, all the professional leagues, the league I would least care about being gone would be the NBA. Would not care if the NBA. I mean, the NBA, the NBA, for all intents and purposes, could fold. I really, honestly, would not care. But the 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 NFL. If you take that away from me, that would be the next one that I would be I would be least upset about. But I would definitely I'd miss it. I'd miss it. But I could definitely survive a year without the NFL. Wonder if the NFL people uh, maybe the problem is a lot of people might find out the same thing. You know, all these people that are hooked on football on Sundays, if you're off for a year, 
all of a sudden you find out other things to do and you find out you don't miss it that much and maybe uh, one of the fears of going on a strike, they come back the next year and you've lost a little bit of your luster well, and my, some of the my, people have gone elsewhere. Yeah, well, my question to you is what what do you think that would be? Because I think in baseball, baseball was really hurt by the strike in 94. Mm-hmm. And until the steroid, the steroid home run race in 98, which is really sad because I love that year and that's obviously been ruined for all mm-hmm. of us, but... That that ninety four, you know, the way that all went down in the strike, that really hurt baseball for a long time. And I don't know if baseball, you could argue, has fully ever truly recovered because football has just taken the, the popularity away from you know, baseball's still a very popular sport, but football is still the king in America, and I think before that baseball was still king in this country. So I don't know if they ever fully, fully recovered from that. Hockey has really been hurt. By, by the lockout year that it had a couple of years ago, or, or well, I guess maybe that was five years ago at this point now. But I mean, the, my, my point though is that, you know, it's, it's gotten the, it's gotten to the situation where we've seen other sports when they locked out, it really hurt. The NBA had that shortened season that really hurt. Football being the king is an interesting question because it's already at the highest. So where would it go? You know, it's, it's, it has the most to fall from, but I feel like it wouldn't be hurt maybe by, as much. Because it's it's at the top, but I do think there is a there is a legion of people out there that would that you're right they they miss they'd miss it for a year they'd realize yeah. they could survive without it and they'd be like well whatever that'll be a developing story I am sure we will talk about in the off season bottom line is football is over for the year folks and also to a slightly lesser degree so is our show we got to wrap up today's Super Bowl <laughs> post game show we'll talk more tomorrow on Double B Brian Bauer will be in the house JB you're welcome to uh, check in and. Uh, Call him maybe as a disguised voice. Who knows? I'll, I'll come on as uh, like Darth Vader. Whatever Hello, works. We this ap- is Jordan calling. We appreciate your check. Uh, you're coming in, JB. We appreciate everybody out there for listening. David Olson, our producer, great job. Back at you Tuesday at 10. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. TalkZone.com.